the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Jenna Ellis Show, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is The Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. Legacy Precious Metals is the company that I trust to give you good and patient counsel for investing in your retirement. The Biden administration has caused a financial crisis and they have no clue how to fix it. Oil prices have skyrocketed and when oil prices go up, not only do your expenses go up, but the cost of transportation and shipping spikes, leading the prices of goods to rise. And when and we are already seeing record inflation. That's the last thing that we need. Our economy is in trouble and you need to take steps to protect yourself. If all your money is tied up in stocks, bonds, and traditional markets, you may be vulnerable. So gold is one of the very best ways to protect your retirement. No matter what happens, you own your own gold. It's real, it's physical, and it's always been valuable since the dawn of time. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-528-1903 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com where you can download the free investor's guide. You can also go to my Facebook page, Jenna Ellis. I am a public figure on Facebook and I just posted yesterday a really great interview with the president of Legacy Precious Metals who is discussing why you need to start your retirement account even if you're in your 20s or 30s. There is always a great time to protect your retirement and invest just like you want to protect your health over the long term. So go to Legacy Precious Metals at LegacyPMInvestments.com or call 866-528-1903. Happy Tuesday, friends, and welcome to another episode of The Jenna Ellis Show. Have a lot in store for you today. Uh, joining me shortly will be Vicki Hartzler, who is a current sitting congresswoman, and she's running for U.S. Senate from the great state of Missouri. I have endorsed her. I've gotten to know her really well through some mutual friends. And as you know, on this show, I like to promote candidates who are America first, who are not career politicians, who are not doing this because, you know, they just want power. They want to tweet about assassinations like Lindsey Graham. That was insane. Uh, but actually have the understanding of what American government is all about, to represent conservative values and to actually conserve the principles of our founding documents, most importantly, the U.S. Constitution, to preserve and protect the rights that come from God, our creator. So really excited to have Vicki Hartzler on the show today. But before we get to that, I have to address the most recent controversy uh, between last night and this morning that came up with Matt Schlapp, who is the chairman of CPAC and the American Conservative Union, ACU. Uh, CPAC has not been for quite a long time really a conservative organization anymore by any definition. 
of conservatism. And obviously, if any term is supposed to have meaning, it has to have margins, contours, and limits. As we've talked about on this show, in order to discreetly define any uh, any object in physical reality or also any proposition or any idea, any philosophy. There has to be margins, contours, and limits. And so what defines conservatism is conserving the values of the American Constitution, our founding principles, and traditional Christian values. That means that conservatives understand and respect and champion traditional values, including marriage, family, and also the truth of the reality to which we're presented. We do not advocate for lies. That means that when we define what is a woman, it's based on truth, fact, biology, chromosomes, and reality. So Matt Schlapp, though, decides that he's going to go and uh, consistent with, you know, the RNC and this sort of big tent idea of conservatism, he's going to go ahead and tweet support for the transgender swimmer from uh, Penn State. So this is what he posted. There was a New York Post article that the title was transgender swimmer Leah Thomas, which is Of course, uh, this guy's, you know, preferred name now, which, uh, you know, just going by a different name, that's not a lie. You can change your name. Can't change your gender, though. So the New York Post is saying transgender swimmer Leah Thomas pushes back against critics and then has the link to the story. Uh, Matt Schlapp decides that he's going to quote tweet this, and he says, no matter what one thinks of Leah's ability to swim with women, her story deserves our compassion. It will be interesting to hear Leah's POV, or point of view, in 30 years. So Matt decides to tweet this uh, March 6th at 6.08 p.m. Um, This was basically made the rounds last night on conservative Twitter, got heavily ratioed. And if you're not on Twitter and you don't know what that means, it means that the comment section blasting the author of the tweet far outweigh the likes and retweets. And so if you've gotten ratioed, it means that on Twitter, it was a pretty bad take. And uh, for Matt Schlapp, who's the chairman of CPAC, to go and make this statement that says um, that this biological man is a her, is a lie. And he's promoting and endorsing the LGBT, which stands for transgender, movement. And there was absolutely no reason to do this, except that that's the direction that the RNC and these big tent Republicans are going. As I've said consistently on this show, I call this moral gerrymandering, where in order to be a bigger tent, conservatives or people who are allegedly conservative are forgetting the principles on which this tent of conservative of, of conservatism was actually founded. And so they have now abandoned traditional marriage by allowing for uh, gay marriage and championing gay rights or quote unquote gay rights. Um, gay marriage, of course, being a total oxymoron. Uh, you can't have a marriage, which is a, an institution defined by God as between one man and one woman. Can you have gay civil unions or gay sexual orientation or gay sexual activity? Yeah, but you can't have gay marriage. But yet, uh, the RNC now has the Pride Coalition 
and CPAC has been sponsored for the last several years by the log cabin Republicans, very openly promoting that, oh yeah, we absolutely think that uh, the gay perspective, the homosexual perspective can be conservative. Now, obviously, can people who are homosexual or people living in all kinds of sin, uh, can they vote conservative? Absolutely. They can be registered Republican. Uh, That's not inconsistent with reality. But their perspective and their orientation or ideology of being a champion of the LGBT agenda is fundamentally inconsistent with the conservative worldview that is underpinned by the Christian truth that comes from God our Creator. So, of course, we're not going to say that homosexuals can't vote Republican. Of course they can. Anybody, in any perspective, as long as you are otherwise qualified and competent to vote, you can vote for anybody you want. But that doesn't mean that just because you're a registered Republican or you say you're conservative, that doesn't mean that then these conservative organizations have to say, yes, we endorse your wrong perspective, your anti or unconservative perspective. But that's not what the new breed and the new ideology of these massive conservative organizations are are going. And why is that? Purely for donors. It's only for donor dollars. And they want to have such a big tent because they are so concerned that if they actually stand for the truth of biology, for the truth of marriage, for the truth that the LGBT agenda has absolutely no place and is inconsistent with the Christian worldview and conservatism, that they will lose money, they will lose votes, and ultimately will not be as successful. Well, guess what? Too bad. We, if we are going to be successful, cannot sacrifice our principles. We have to stand firm on truth. So what else are we going to do? Are we suddenly going to abandon the pro-life movement because, oh, I'm so concerned that someone who is an advocate for intentional uh, killing of a human being in the womb on demand is not going to vote for a Republican? Well, you know what? Too bad. Then maybe we just need to be better advocates. Maybe we need to actually be counterculture instead of going just right along with whatever the current whim and philosophy of the day is. So Matt Schlapp got severely ratioed on Twitter between last night and today for this tweet with a ton of conservatives, a lot of my good friends, calling him out and and basically saying, bro, no, you're wrong. So, of course, I responded to this, and um, among other things, I quote-tweeted this and said, No, none of this is remotely conservative, principled, or truthful, Matt. What are you doing? It's sad to see CPAC leadership and the GOP establishment cave to the LGBT agenda. I will not support this. And then I went and also tweeted, I'm done with CPAC. I will not uh, go to another event Um, when they're obviously not conservative. So out of everybody that Matt could have chosen to respond to, literally thousands of people who were complaining and saying, you know, rightly so, um, not just Karen's about it, they were calling him out for this manifestly obvious lie and for betraying conservatism. Um, Out of everybody, he decides to respond to me, right? Why? Because he knows that I am a champion for the truth and that I will always call out the truthful perspective no matter what. He also knows that all of my listeners, like you guys, 
um, understand and respect that and that you will stand with me firmly for the truth. So he's getting a little scared, right? So out of everybody, he responds to me and he says, Jenna, all I am saying is that in the end, trans people deserve our love and compassion. We should defend girls' sports against competing with men aggressively. But in the end, remember that all people deserve respect. Kind of simple. If showing decency makes you boycott CPAC, I'm good with it. So what did Matt Schlapp just do? He tried to invoke decency, compassion. We are being decent and compassionate if we go along with this manifestly obvious lie. If we betray conservative values and principles, well, Jenna, you're just not being compassionate enough. That is a ridiculous excuse. And so I, of course, responded this morning and I said, that's not all you said, Matt. You can't walk back calling a man, quote unquote, her under the guise of love and compassion. Love and compassion requires speaking the truth. Conservatives, this is an open call from Matt to abandon CPAC because he is unwilling to stand for truth. Do it. And I'm serious on this. So Matt then panics further and digs himself an even bigger hole because this is what he responded. And I'm just speaking truth. I'm simply standing. I mean, he's the one that started this. There was no reason that he had to go and call a man a her and tweet all of this false nonsense. But he goes and he responds this way. He says, Jenna, this is a false controversy. You are upset with CPAC because we didn't invite you to speak. We score the bills aimed at protecting girls' sports and our kids from gender confusion indoctrination. I don't wish to normalize it, but simply just deal with it with compassion. So what is he doing? He's now using an ad hominem that just because he didn't invite me to speak at CPAC, oh, that's the reason that me and thousands of other people are offended by his lies. I mean, this is just totally insane. And uh, so I went back, and let me go now back to, uh, to my Twitter, because um, this is where then I said, I said, there are literally thousands of tweets ratioing you hard, yet you're only, choose to pick, you're only choosing to pick on me as if I'm literally the only conservative upset you're pushing lies. Why, Matt? He didn't respond to that. I also said, oh boy, you're going from bad to flailing. I came to CPAC this year with Freedom Center, Liberty University, and covered DJT's speech with Newsmax. It was your loss that I didn't speak on election integrity. He could have invited me. He chose not to. I, I went anyway. I had a lot of fun. Um, other than being severely uh, not impressed with the MC of the Reagan dinner, who chose to use phallic phrasing for the stage, which I thought was highly embarrassing given that Tulsi Gabbard, who is a registered Democrat, um, chose to come to CPAC for the first time and actually address the audience. I mean, she's going into enemy territory. It would be like, um, you know, somebody like a Jim Jordan actually getting invited and going to speak at a DNC event. And the first interaction you have with this group of Democrats is that they're making phallic jokes about the shape of the stage. Yeah, really not great, especially when kids are present. But anyway... Um, but I went and, you know, saw a lot of my friends, um, had a great time with the Standing for Freedom Center at Liberty University, um, was there in my contributorship capacity with Newsmax, did, I think, three or four hits. 
uh, from there, covered um, the president's speech, saw the president. You know, it was great. Um, So, you know, no big deal. And this was several weeks ago. But Matt Schlapp has to call it out and be like, oh, just because we didn't invite you to speak, now your feelings are hurt. Like, this is hilarious. So then I go in and say, no one is saying anything. Matt pushed a total lie and advances the LGBT agenda as a quote-unquote conservative. Conservatives push back and say no. Capital N, capital O. Matt doubles down, deflects with the equivalent of, you're just mad you can't date me. You're gone from bad to worse, man. This is your own fault. It's now a controversy. So uh, this is continuing now, and there are a lot of people who are really um, upset with, with very good reason. And it is time to stand firm. Um, my good friend, Ali Beth Stuckey, um, you know her as conservative millennial, uh, she responded to Matt and said, you called a man her. And the only reason a conservative could disagree with that is because they're angry about not being invited to CPAC. That's really low. And she's totally right. So, you know, this is the typical fallacy that when people are backed into a corner and they don't want to actually address the arguments on the merits, suddenly they deflect and say, oh, well, you're just angry about something else. Well, you're just mad that you weren't invited to CPAC. Like, where did that come into this? Well, nothing, not at all. And so he's trying to inflame uh, my emotions by having to defend like, no, 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 that's not right. I didn't even want to engage with that because that is completely irrelevant to the fact that he is tweeting a lie and he is tweeting in support of the LGBT agenda as the chairperson of the American Conservative Union and the head of CPAC. But this is the direction, my friends, that the Republican Party as a whole is going. And for many reasons, but definitely including this one, and I called out Ronna McDaniel uh, early last summer for um, supporting the Pride Coalition and openly announcing that without even bothering to talk to any of the evangelical leaders within the Republican Party. You know, no concern about how we don't support that. She just wants to go ahead and champion a quote-unquote value that is absolutely antithetical with everything that we stand for and that the conservative party stands for. But, you know, that's fine because it's totally fine to offend us. We just want out of love and compassion to continue to perpetuate these lies. So um, I raised this today and I want to address this because of basically a couple of, of quick points. One, Matt Schlapp is lying to you. He is not a conservative and he needs to walk this back and say and admit that he was wrong and he will not support the LGBT movement, or he needs to resign and say he's no longer a conservative, period. Uh, The second thing is that when you look at these types of engagements on Twitter, make sure that you look and notice when the argument shifts from the person that can't defend their own argument on the merits. Once he starts saying, oh, well, you're just upset about this other thing, he's wanting to deflect and put me on the defensive and defend something that we're not even talking about instead of actually engage the substance of the original contention. Don't allow that to happen. When you're engaging with leftists and people who are using left-wing ideology and rhetoric like this, always keep the main point and the actual merit of the argument and controversy, what you're responding to. Because that otherwise, the whole argument gets derailed, and then suddenly you're on the defensive for something that you don't even care about. Like, that's not the point of the conversation. Always keep the main contention the main thing, and call them out on it. 
and say, you're just trying to deflect. That's exactly what AOC did when she was like, oh, you're just mad you can't date me. Well, and everybody laughed at that. Well, why? Because everybody knows that that's just a ridiculous logical fallacy. And it's her deflecting because she can't answer the contention and the merit of the argument. And the third thing is that we as genuine conservatives and especially Christians cannot be afraid of standing boldly for the truth. The reason that I think that Matt called me out specifically and went back and forth with me is because he knows that I have been an ardent advocate for standing for the truth regardless of who hates me, who calls me names, uh, who says that, you know, they're not going to invite me to places anymore, you know, regardless of whatever, the harassment or the abuse or the name calling or whatever it is, I don't care. What I care about is making sure that I stand fully, firmly on the truth of the word of God and that my principles and my actions reflect that truth. It is not my truth. It is God's truth. And he is the only one that gets to define truth and reality versus false lies. He has defined what the measurable difference is between a man and a woman. He has created all human beings in his image. He is the one that determines for us what our gender is. That is an immutable characteristic, and it does not matter what the prevailing wind-of-the-day doctrine is. We as human beings simply do not have the authority or the capacity to redefine gender, to redefine marriage, to redefine our age, to redefine anything that is immutably implicit in our humanity. We don't have the ability to redefine when life begins. We know from the word of God and from science, from empirical reality that life begins at conception. These principles are very easy to defend when you look at empirical truth. And it's not just something that's my philosophy, my principle, because you know, I'm such a good Christian and these are things that I want to champion in advance. No, the reason that I advance in these philosophies and I stand firm on these realities is because they are inherently true. This is what our founding fathers recognized and articulated as self-evident truth. It doesn't actually need anyone to agree with it or disagree with it. A man is a man, a woman is a woman, regardless of who says otherwise. We don't have the capacity to redefine what God himself has ordained, period. And so it's actually very easy to defend self-evident truth because it's self-evident. What makes it really hard is when you think that your donors, your dollars, your friends, your, uh, your Twitter followers or any of these other things that you may hold more precious than the truth are suddenly urging you to then be manipulated and to start speaking lies. Do not do it. Have the courage to stand firm in the truth. Because guess what? From the very beginning of time, a man was a man, a woman was a woman, immutably, empirically, forever. I mean, this is the reason that archaeologists can go back, you know, with mummies thousands of years and bones and determine the gender of the person, right? We don't have to go back and ask the unknown person from thousands of years ago, how did you feel? 
Well, no, we've always been able to understand because it's empirically self-evident. So we will be on not just the right side of history, but we will be firmly in truth for eternity and champion against the lies of our present age because we are willing to stand boldly and courageously against lies and always for truth. Now, if I discover that I'm applying truth in a wrong way or I'm analyzing an issue um, from a perspective that I shouldn't or my analysis or my application of principles, those are things that we can discuss. Policy considerations, the best practices, um, you know, some of these things that we debate and discuss, that's good. More speech is good. But the principles never change. Truth does not change. The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm sorry, Matt Schlapp, you don't get to redefine truth for anyone, including conservatives. Stand firm, and I encourage everyone listening to this show, do not support, endorse, or attend CPAC until Matt Schlapp resigns or until he is willing to stand boldly for the truth and say that he was wrong for calling a man a her because that is a bold-faced lie. Conservatives should not tolerate lies, should not tolerate falsity because we have the contours of conservatism and we have a measurable self-evident difference between right and wrong, good and evil, truth and non-truth. Stand firmly, boldly, courageously for the truth always. Vaccines have not eliminated the Chinese Fauci virus, so we all need extra protection for our immune systems. My friends at Centurion Labs have combined five key ingredients to defend your immune system against allergies, cold, the flu, and even the coronavirus. It's called Centurion Defender, and it incorporates vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, copper, and quercetin in just one capsule. No more swallowing 10 pills a day or not taking supplements because the individual cost is just too high. So take one Defender with breakfast and one with dinner and keep living your life. Just like the Centurions of Rome led by example and held themselves to the highest possible standards, Centurion Labs has dedicated the last 15 years to research and develop safe, effective, and affordable healthcare products made in the USA that you can trust. For a limited time, listeners of this show can save 20% off their first order of Centurion Defender. Visit centurionlabs.com forward slash Jenna and use the promo code J-E-N-N-A. Defend your health today with Centurion Defender. That's centurionlabs.com forward slash Jenna and the promo code Jenna. Centurion Labs, that's with an S, centurionlabs.com forward slash J-E-N-N-A. As you know, I am a fan of all of the wonderful Americans who are standing up for freedom and liberty across the country and who are running for office because they actually care about preserving and protecting our rights, which, as we know, come from God, our creator, not our government. And the sole purpose of government is to preserve and protect those. And so I am so excited to have endorsed um, a now very good friend, Vicki Hartzler, who is running for the U.S. Senate. She's a current uh, congressional representative. So, Vicki, thank you so much for coming on today. And uh, really excited to talk to you about your campaign and already what you've accomplished uh, in the legislature. Oh, thank you, Jenna. I'm just thrilled to be here. And I so much appreciate your support. It means the world. Absolutely. Well, you know, so you are um, currently a sitting representative. And so, you know, talk about what is, um, you know, what's going on in Washington? I guess, you know, that's a really big question, but there's a lot of people who are really frustrated with, I think, the state of Washington, uh, the current 
you know, situation that's going on and really want to see conservatives take back the House and Senate in 2022. So, you know, you are um, hoping to move over to the Senate side. And uh, what can you tell me about your goals uh, as far as what you think the Senate should be focused on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're on the front lines right now. And I tell you, it is heartbreaking to be there and to see this president and this administration uh, just dismantle all of the good work that we had gotten done under uh, President Trump. And I was uh, honored to work alongside him to help uh, rebuild our military, to get our economy going, to secure the border, stand strong for life and for Israel, uh, make us energy independent, all of those things that now are are in uh, under attack uh, due to the poor policies and the failed leadership of this administration. And I said, I love my district. I love Missouri so much. I feel like a parent sometimes that's up in a helicopter with a child down playing on the railroad tracks and you see the child have their their foot caught and a train is coming and you feel helpless to be able to stop it. And that has been the situation I have felt over the past year as on day one, President Biden came in and stopped the Keystone Pipeline. He put a moratorium on any new federal uh, drilling and leasing on federal lands, which has once again made us energy dependent on countries like Russia, like OPEC. And um, he has been spending money um, that we do not have, fueling a 40-year high inflation rate that's hurting people at home. They can't, um, you know, fill their tank of gas with gasoline. They can't find products in the grocery store. And, of course, what happened in Afghanistan is absolutely horrific. I'm a senior member of the Armed Services Committee. And to see this debacle and leaving Americans behind, in addition to over $90 billion of equipment, This has made us weak on the world stage, and it's set up the scenario that we are living out right now, seeing an emboldened Putin attack an innocent, free, and and democratic nation of Ukraine. And I've been to Ukraine as a member of the Armed Services Committee. I've visited the military training bases with NATO that we were training the Ukrainian military. I've visited with the parliamentarians there who were so inspiring. Most of them were in their 20s and 30s. And they um, they were entrepreneurs, business people, college educated, many of them Christians, and they were fashioning themselves after our uh, founding fathers of this country. They said, we're throwing off the authoritarianism of the past, and we want to embrace freedom and democracy and a new, ch- uh, new path for ourselves and our children. We want to align with the West. And now to see them just under assault is just, um, it's just heartbreaking. And President Biden, uh, with his energy policies and his lack of action earlier to get them the defensive weapons that they need, has enabled this. Russia, sadly, has us over a barrel right now. It has the EU over a barrel, an oil barrel, uh, because literally, and his... Biden's decisions are fueling this war. And that's another pun, but it's very true. Germany, a few years ago, made the policies to do away with the uh, uh, nuclear power and coal-powered plants to shut them all down, to become dependent on Green New Deal type of things with just uh, air, uh, I mean, wind and solar, and getting natural gas from Russia. And so that has caused them to be vulnerable to Russia. And with Biden shutting down our oil here, we're buying last year average of 690,000 barrels of oil a day. It averages $22 million a day that, even as we speak, is going to Russia. That is fueling and paying for 
this military action against Ukraine. It's unconscionable. So the reason I'm running for the Senate is because we are in crises and we have got to turn this around. I have the experience, the track record, uh, and the heart for people here at home to be able on day one to take the reins and to start getting us back on the right track. And that starts with energy independence. That starts with embracing our own domestic energy here, uh, rebuilding our military so that we have peace through strength to deter uh, China and Russia and Iran from any further action or certainly against us. We need to quit spending money we don't have, get our economy going again, cut taxes, cut regulations. Um, and we need to make sure that we are still uh, standing strong for Israel, but once again, embracing the culture of life and religious freedom that is under attack right now. Yeah, and I'm so glad you mentioned religious freedom and life. I mean, those are things that I think um, you know a lot of the Republicans, um, unfortunately, haven't really been focused on. And you know, a lot of uh, the listeners to this show have asked me, uh, where are the Republicans? And even though you know, right now, obviously. Uh, the Democrats are in control of the House. We hope that that uh, shifts in 2022. Um, but they're asking, okay, where are the Republicans? I mean, if you look at somebody like a Senator Lindsey Graham, who's openly calling on Twitter for the assassination of uh, of Putin, I mean, some of these things that are just trying to increase the warmongering and, and some of these things that don't seem to be in line with genuine conservatism, a lot of people are asking, where are the Republicans and why does it seem like they're very DNC light? So what's the contrast in your view between maybe more of the establishment Republicans versus what a genuine conservative majority actually could do in 2022 on day one when we get back the House and the Senate? Sure. Well, I'm privileged the last several years to be the chairman of the Values Action Team, which is over 100 members of the House of Representatives who are dedicated to advancing life and uh, supporting traditional family values and religious liberty. And so I've been at the forefront of that. I'm the sponsor of the bill to defund Planned Parenthood. Um, and I signed on to the amicus brief that's before the Supreme Court right now, which is very encouraging this Dobbs case uh, out of Mississippi, which could actually reverse Roe versus Wade for the first time and send those decisions back to the state level. I'm just very encouraged and hopeful that in probably June we'll get that decision. But that's not going to end the pro-life fight. Um, it will go back to the states. But what I can do and need to continue to advance here in the Senate is to rein in the FDA because they have approved an abortion pill that can be sent through the mail to a girl's house without the girl visiting a doctor. This is dangerous. It has caused the death of many young women, and it's a horrific way to have an abortion by taking a series of two different pills. Um, if you saw the movie Unplanned, it, that Abby Johnson story, it, it demonstrated what that is like. And so I'm trying to shut down the FDA from being able to approve that type of uh, drug and certainly dispensing it through the mail. Uh, currently, that uh, encompasses 40% of the abortions in this country right now are through the, uh, the, the pill form. And so we've got to be uh, uh, vigilant and uh, aggressive on that front, too, and to promote life. But we also need to continue, like I do, to promote uh, pregnancy care centers for women. If Roe versus Wade is overturned, 
we need to women to know there is alternatives, that there is support for her carrying that pregnancy out to term, bringing that life into the world, and to promote adoption if she does not want to parent the child herself. There are many couples who would love to provide a forever home to that child, and we need to make sure they're aware of that option as well. But not just life, uh, we also need to stand strong for just traditional uh, values and as it relates to gender. I'm a former teacher, as I said. I'm a former track coach. And it is just wrong how uh, many biological males who have said now they identify as a female are getting to participate in girls' sports and take away their medals and their, their championships and their records. And I've been very outspoken about this, that I believe that's wrong. I've been speaking up for girls. I believe it's common sense. That's also the way God planned it, male and female. And because of that, this week, uh, Twitter suspended my campaign account, uh, demanding that I take down a a campaign ad where I simply say that women's sports should be for women, not men pretending to be women. Um, It just makes sense to me, but they say that violates their... Uh, violence and harassment and hate um, hate speech uh, policy. And so they will not reinstate my account unless I take down the ad. And then 12 hours after I take it down, then they would reinstate my account. And I told them that they can keep their account. I'm not going to take down the ad because we are succumbing too much to this woke social media uh, mindset that silences those of us with traditional values, but I also believe it's common sense values, um, and is speaking up, in my case, for girls, uh, for female athletes. Um, Like I said, I used to be a track coach for six years. These young women work for years uh, to be able to have the opportunity to pursue their dreams, to compete, to win, to get medals, to maybe get a scholarship, to take them to college. Maybe their families never had somebody go to college and their opportunities are being taken away from them due to uh, this woke mentality and this censorship that says, if you speak up, then we're going to uh, punish you. And in, uh, in the particular instance that I was talking about, about the University of Pennsylvania swimmer who was on the male team for two years And then he decided during COVID that he was a woman and now he's demanding and is competing on the women's team and winning all the races and and taking away the medals and championships. There were 16 uh, uh, girls on this team that wrote an anonymous letter through a lawyer um, objecting to this. And they said in their letter, not only they think it's unfair because biologically he has a greater lung capacity, more muscle mass. Uh, is taller, can make uh, have a, a, a bigger uh, stroke in the swim, in the, in the pool as he is competing. Uh, but they were told, in this letter, they said they were told if they speak up against this, if they object, they are going to be kicked off the team and they will never have a job. Now, who is speaking up for them? How come the University of Pennsylvania isn't defending them? How come they're not kicking off this this uh, transgender athlete off of the girls' team and say, no, you, you can't compete there. We're going to support our female athletes. But that's the world we're living in. Um, and if we take over the majority, we need to stand up uh, to this, make sure that the Equality Act does not pass in the Senate. Sadly, it has passed in the House because Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats there have a majority. But it's really not about equality. I call it the Inequality Act. 
it would have a major impact in all aspects of life by bringing in sexual orientation and gender identity as protected classes under the 1964 civil rights law, saying that if you treat anyone in that category differently, then you're going to be charged with discrimination. And this impacts not just girls' sports and education, which it does, but also parental rights. We've had a couple in Ohio uh, who uh, Ohio has some laws in that similar and their daughter wanted to uh, transition to a male when she was 14, I believe. The parents objected and uh, they were sued and a judge took away their parental rights and gave the girl to a grandmother who supported her making this transition. It's a threat to medical professionals who may not support a teenage girl or boy going through sex change uh, procedures and operations. Uh, as we know, 85 to 90% of young people with gender dysphoria, once they pass puberty in their high school years, they end up settling in and embracing the gender of their, bio, of their birth. Uh, so you have many medical professionals who do not support uh, giving, starting the sex change uh, operations and procedures on young people. But if they were to deny it under the Equality Act, they could be sued and charged with discriminating, not uh, treating them and have their medical license taken away. I mean, there's many, many aspects of life, businesses, uh, adoption agencies, et cetera. Christian counseling and pastors. I mean, there's so many things. And I'm glad, um, Representative Hartzler, that you bring up the Equality Act because, you know, this is something that is absolutely uh, just just terrible and, and, and is something that, of course, the 1964 Congress did not at all contemplate, did not at all want, and this has never been uh, codified in, in any way uh, by Congress. And now the, the censorship that you just described, I mean, your own campaign, you are running for U.S. Senate, you are a sitting representative, and for Twitter and <clears throat> these, uh, these, you know, the, these uh, big company, big tech companies, to censor the debate and to say that you can't even run an ad, that this is the platform that you're running on, that is so disturbing. Because even if they disagree with your platform, you should still absolutely have the right to say, these are the policies, this is what I believe, this is what I champion as a candidate, not even just, a, I mean, a, a regular person, you know, my, like I should be able to go on and say, I think a biological man is a biological man and you can't change your gender. I mean, that's still a valid opinion that is reflected in science, but especially for candidates, then it becomes something where they are actually curtailing the ability to uh, campaign for these offices because they're taking away a large platform. So where is Congress at with anything regarding Section 230 or any of this sort of censorship uh, that big tech is looking at, at really, they're trying to shape the narrative and crack down on the debate, and Americans are just getting tired of it. And we have things like Truth Social, you know, and other things that President Trump, um, you know, is trying to accomplish. But it is really frustrating that the most used platforms are still discriminating against conservative ideas. No, absolutely. Um, so I don't sit on the Energy and Commerce Committee, but I was part of a Republican uh, conference meeting a couple of weeks ago where several members who are on that committee uh, shared how they are, they've been talking with a lot of the experts in the field. They're working on legislation now that would address this. And when we take the majority back in the House next year, which I'm hopeful we will do, uh, they said they will have a bill ready that will address this. And so I'm, I was encouraged to hear that they are working on this. Um, 
and I, I'm hopeful that they can even get some Democrat support. Uh, a, a while back, some some Democrats have said, hey, they agree, this is an area that needs to be reined in. This should be a bipartisan effort. Whether you're Republican or Democrat, you should want uh, free speech. You should support the First Amendment. Uh, and to hear all sides of the debate, uh, Democrats should be able to share their view, uh, but Republicans and conservatives should be able to share their view too so that the Americans have access to information and they can make up their own mind uh, which which side they believe in. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope that that is something that a conservative majority will actually take up because, you know, there are so many uh, people on the Republican side that end up campaigning on a lot of these things, and then they end up getting to Congress, and for whatever reason, that's just not top priority on their agenda. But for people in Missouri who are looking at your candidacy for U.S. Senate, you already have a track record. And so speak a little bit about that and some of the things, you know, that you um, have been able to accomplish and why you you know, uh, why people can trust, as, as I do, and that's why I've endorsed you, um, that you are going to actually fight the fights that you say you'll fight. Oh, sure. Well, it's been an honor to represent the 4th District of Missouri and to to take their voice and their values to Washington. And we've gotten a lot done. Uh, my number one priority has been to rebuild our military because I believe there's only a few things, according to the Constitution, that we should be doing in Washington. But providing for the common defense is the number one thing. And when I got there, I found out once I started going to all these classified briefings uh, that under President Obama and with all the defense cuts that he had done, our military readiness was at a very, very low state. And I won't go into the details, but I can tell you it was very, very concerning. The number of planes that could actually fly, the number of combat brigade teams that could actually fight tonight, um, and some of the capabilities that China had developed and is continuing to develop very, very concerning. So thankfully, we, we fought. And then when President Trump got there, we were able to start rebuilding this military. And we still have a ways to go there, but we are in a much better state than we are now. Uh, but that is something I, I went for. But also in realizing the threats from China, I've helped pass some legislation to make sure that our federal government does not buy video surveillance cameras from China. Uh, I found out about this when uh, a, 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 journal, a reporter called and asked what I thought about Fort Leonard Wood, which is in my district, having uh, video surveillance cameras on base from China. And uh, I didn't know anything about it. I'm not sure how they found out, but I talked to the, the commander at the base. He wasn't aware of it, but by the end of the day, they'd identified five cameras. They pulled them. Uh, thankfully, two of them were on a parking lot and three were for uh, the roads, the perimeter roads. It wasn't cameras that were in the headquarters buildings or on the training grounds, but that brought to light a larger problem that we have in all of federal government, not just our military bases, that we actually have video surveillance cameras that have components uh, from China in them. And of course, there's the concern with their technology uh, capabilities and their video surveillance uh, equipment in China, that they could uh, have a backdoor way to actually turn them on and to watch things and to take secrets. But I've also led efforts to speak up for human rights abuses of the Christians in China, as well as the Uyghur Muslims. I was appointed to a congressional executive uh, commission on China a few years ago, um, and that we produce an annual report on the human rights abuses of China. And because of my outspokenness against what they are doing and the human rights abuses, uh, people of faith, they uh, have sanctioned me. So I've actually been sanctioned by the Chinese Communist Party, but I'm proud well, of that. That is a badge of honor. 
It is. And so I'm going to continue to speak out on that. And I have several pieces of legislation going after China. Um, they're stealing secrets from our universities, uh, allowing spies back in our country, several different areas there. But I've also worked to try to help uh, just people in my district, like gold, a Gold Star mom who shared with me that she was denied her full life insurance benefits after her son was killed in Afghanistan due to a paperwork error. So I went to bat for her and other Gold Star families and passed legislation making sure every Gold Star family receives the full benefits that they deserve. I went to the border a couple of years ago and talking to Border Patrol agents found out that drug cartels are using drones to bring drugs across the border in the uh, populated areas where there's actually a, a town and there's a wall through the town and half of it is on Mexico side, half is uh, American side. So I came, uh, they said that they have no authority to take out the drones, that our statutes were so out of date that in one section of federal law, drones were considered airplanes. And of course, there's laws you can't take out an airplane. Uh, another section of law, drones were considered computers uh, because that's one way to interdict a, a drone is to hack into the signal with a device and then capture the drone, bring it, you know, over a different way. Um, but they, they're helpless. Their hands were tied. So I went back to Washington and introduced legislation to give them the authority to take out the drones. And they have now they have that ability. We passed that law. Um, so I've been proactive about trying to secure our border and also to keep drugs out of our country. You know, last year we lost 100,000 Americans to drug overdoses. And part of that problem is because on day one, President Biden uh, quit building the wall. And I've been there just a couple of months ago, and, and I've seen the, the pallets of our steel posts that go to the walls just sitting there rusting that you and I have already paid for. It's ludicrous. And it breaks my heart knowing not only... Uh, human trafficking is happening. The illegal aliens are coming to our country, but the amount of drugs that are flowing in that are killing people in our communities. So I started a Missouri drug-free initiative a few years ago to go after this problem in my district. Uh, we've held 22 high school assemblies, encouraging young people to rise up and to be the generation to choose to live drug-free. Um, we've had helped get more drug recovery courts started in my district. I visited every drug recovery uh, program, including many ministries in my district. And I really believe that faith through Jesus Christ, that is the most powerful type of program that we have coupled with medical help as well and, and intervention. And it's encouraging the programs that are there and the great ministries doing good work, but they need support. Um, and then of course, you know, I've stood strong for life and for our family, led efforts to defeat the Equality Act uh, on the House floor to get information out about the, the concerns as that goes. But I've also helped head legislation to increase rural broadband, which is very important to my district um, and to Missouri. A lot of us don't have high-speed internet capabilities. In fact, today I'm happy to be uh, at a friend's place to record this because uh, both my office and my home doesn't have enough uh, high-speed <laughs> capacity to be able to talk to you. Um, so, you know, uh, Missouri is, has benefited from some of those programs and grants that I've helped support. Uh, there's more rural broadband going in place, but this is going to be very important, I think, whether you're in the rural or urban areas, that everyone have the equal opportunity to 
high-speed internet, whether it be to help you have a business at home and be a stay-at-home mom, but yet still be able to have a business, or whether it's a student where homeschool or just uh, for other reasons you want to do your homework at night to be able to access uh, world-class education, or whether it be healthcare so senior citizens can can take advantage of telehealth. Um, it's just very important that we have high-speed internet. So that's been another priority of mine and something that we've been able to get done. And the last example I'll give is a way to make government work for the people and work better. Uh, after a natural disaster of flooding in my district, we learned that the Federal Emergency Management Agency, which is supposed to be the agency to provide disaster assistance, they, the way that they brought help was actually a disaster to my district. They sent in three different re, uh, disaster recovery teams to visit with the communities. They lost the paperwork. It took forever. So I passed legislation uh, streamlining the process and making them work uh, for the people. And that has been helping everyone since with every tornado, every hurricane we've had. It, uh, it helps those communities get their assistance faster in a more efficient manner. So those are some of the things I've led on and uh, I believe enables me to be able on day one to take the helm and, in the U.S. Senate and to help provide the common sense conservative solutions that our country needs to get us back on track. Yeah, well, I just have so much respect for you, Representative, and uh, everything that you have accomplished and everything that you're standing for and want to continue to do for America, for this country, for Missouri. And I hope that everyone who's listening uh, to this program, if they you know, if, if they have not uh, been as familiar with you, they are now and they are understanding, you know, that maybe, um, you know, not just the people who are propped up on the, the mainstream media um, over and over again, you know, are uh, the only people that are in Washington that are fighting. And so I really appreciate your time. And when is your primary and how can people uh, help support you in your campaign? Yeah, thanks, Jenna. Our primary in Missouri is August 2nd. And that is a very key date because in Missouri, we're more Republican uh, than Democrat. And so this is a real battle here. At this point, there's 16 people uh, running in the Republican primary, and I'm doing very well, but I need everybody's support. Uh, they can go to VickiHartzler.com. They can contribute, which would be a huge blessing. They can sign up to volunteer and learn more about our campaign, as well as I invite everyone and ask people for your prayers as well, because we really are in a battle, I believe, for the heart and soul of this nation. And each one of us has a, play to, a part to play in this. And so I invite you to partner with me in this mission to save our country. And together with God's grace, I believe uh, I, we will prevail. So thank you, Jenna, for the opportunity to, to share with your audience today. Yeah, thank you so much. I look forward to having you back on. And uh, blessings to you and best wishes for your campaign. I support you. And there are so many other great Americans across the nation that I'm really excited uh, to help support and uh, to endorse and to champion. Because if we can get people uh, like you in the Senate and then, you know, take uh, back the house. I think that we can really reshape this country. And, you know, it is it just every election is, is the next step for protecting liberty and elections have consequences, as we know. So I hope that everyone listening in Missouri, um, make sure you're registered to vote, get out and vote, make sure that you're voting for Vicki Hartzler for uh, the August 2nd primary. That's really going to determine this race. And for everyone else across the country that's listening, make sure that you know who your 
uh, candidates are who are the America first true conservative candidates. Get out and vote, get out and help, and absolutely support them because that is the only way that we are going to make sure to preserve and protect liberty for America and for the next generation. So um, Representative Hartzler, thank you so much again for joining me today. I appreciate it. You bet. Thank you, Jenna. Before I go, I also want to talk about my good friend, Mike Lindell. He has been canceled out of so many box stores for simply standing up for his own political opinion and disagree or not, uh, or support him or not. It is a fundamental right of every American to be able to voice their opinion. And that absolutely includes politics. That absolutely includes uh, issues that are central to our culture. That includes faith. Uh, Mike is such a very sincere Christian, and I am proud to consider him a friend. And he is, of course, a friend of this show. So right now, there is a special on MyPillow.com. Click on the new radio listener specials. Get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including a great towel set, which is a six-piece set. It includes two bath, two hand towels, two washcloths, made in the USA, regularly $109.99, now just $39.99, but you have to use the promo code Jenna. That's J-E-N-N-A. That tells Mike that you listen to this show. You're happy that he is uh, a sponsor of this show and you will get great, great discounts, but use the promo code Jenna. That's J-E-N-N-A either at MyPillow.com or call 1-800-564-8475 and use the promo code Jenna. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.